Welcome to the presence of the Lord. Now you might be saying, Pastor Wayne, I'm in my house or I'm in my office or I'm working out as I'm listening to this service, but I want you to know something. The minute we begin to worship God and center on Him, the minute we begin to focus on Jesus and worship, wherever you are, it becomes transformed to be a sanctuary, transformed to be a cathedral, transformed to be the presence of God. And we want you to know in this moment that He's coming to open your eyes to open your eyes to help you see yourself the way He sees you. He's coming to help you open your eyes to see your circumstances the way He sees them. So look around you right now. You might think you're alone in that room, but you're not. The Lord is with us. He is with you. He is around you. He is surrounding you with His love. He's surrounding you with His grace. He's surrounding you with His strength and His overcoming power. He is surrounding you to help bring victory in your life. The psalmist David writes in Psalm 32 these words, Lord, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. And then he goes on to say in the last verse of that chapter, how that happens. He says, rejoice in the Lord. So let's lift our voices. Let's rejoice in him and let his power surround us to bring encouragement. Let his strength encourage us to bring us hope that we can win in Jesus' name. Let's rejoice in the Lord. This is 
like I'm surrounded, but Lord, I'm surrounded by you. There's a great story in the Old Testament about a prophet named Elisha. Elisha was a man of God who could hear from God and see what God was doing. And God would often speak to him and tell him to tell the king of Israel when the enemy was coming. And you know what happened? Every time the Lord would reveal it to Elisha, he'd tell the king, and then the king of Israel would defeat the enemy that came. Now that king who came against him was King Aram, and he was really upset because he found out that this prophet was so close to God, he came with this word to the king. So he said, I want you to go and capture Elisha. So one night while they were sleeping, King Aram and all of his soldiers came and surrounded the city of Dotham where, where Elisha was and where his servant was. And that morning, his servant came out. And let me share with you this passage from the book of Kings. It says, When the attendant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The attendant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. He went on to say, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
And Elisha prayed, Lord, open this attendant's eyes so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the attendant's eyes and he looked and saw that the hills were full of horses and full of chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, here's what happened. In that moment, the attendant was like, look at the enemy that's surrounding us. But Elisha prayed, open his eyes so he can see that those with us are more than those against us. And Lord, I pray that right now for every person listening. You know those that are surrounded by sickness, open their eyes to see Jesus, the healer. Those who are surrounded by debt, open their eyes to see you, the provider. Those who are surrounded by emotional turmoil, open their eyes to see Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Whatever they are surrounded by, open their eyes to see you. You are at work in ways they cannot see. You are strengthening. You are empowering. You are surrounding them with your presence right now. Encourage your people. Strengthen your people. Empower your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Well, I pray that you will be encouraged in the Lord. Well, welcome to Cathedral of Faith. We're so glad you're here with us. You're in just the right place to hear from the Lord and receive from the Lord. We're so glad you've tuned in to be part of this amazing service. And this is just the beginning. God has so much prepared for you in the next moments as we continue to seek Him and hear His Word. Well, there's a story in the Bible that Luke writes about Jesus. And here's what it says. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, as poor as she is, has given everything she has. You know how hard it is sometimes to let somebody else have the last brownie or the last piece of pie? That's exactly what she did in this story. The rich people, they gave a whole pan of brownies out of their abundance, but she gave the last. She gave all that she had because she recognized everything she had came from the Lord. And in this moment of giving, we acknowledge the same thing. Lord, we thank you. You've provided for us. You will provide for us. We acknowledge that and we bring our gifts to you. And you can give in a variety of ways. You can go to our church app, you can go online to our church website. You can text the number on the screen or you can write out a check, drop it by the church office or mail it to us. It's your way of acknowledging like this widow, God, you're the source of all things. You have provided in the past. You provided yet to come. But out of what you've done for me, I give to you. Well, here comes Stephanie with the latest and greatest here at Cathedral of Faith. Cathedral family and happy 4th of July weekend. Whether you're joining us online or in person, thank you for being with us. Well, I just have two announcements this weekend, but first I want to say a great big thanks to everyone who came out to our Saturday evening Father's Day barbecue and our paint night. We had such a great time at both events. And if you're feeling like, ah, I missed out, don't worry. Our next one is coming up next weekend, July 10th. Our friend, Teron Brooks, is going to be with us, and he's going to present the Songs of Broadway. 
Tehran reinterprets your favorite classic and contemporary Broadway hits. So make sure you're here Saturday, July 10th at 6.30 in the amphitheater. Then save the date, July 31st. Jazz Under the Stars with our very own Tommy Tomasello and his jazz band, The Prince of Poppers. They're going to be here with special guest Jessica Johnson in the amphitheater Saturday, July 31st at 6.30. Be sure to follow us on social media and visit cathedraloffaith.org for the latest and greatest. I hope you and your family have a safe and spectacular 4th of July. Down. 
Years ago, there was a famous newscaster by the name of Paul Harvey. He was very popular many years ago, and he would go through his normal news, newscasts of reports and so on, but he would always um, choose one story in particular, and he would say, well, now you will know the rest of the story. It was a story that was within the highlighted stories of his newscasts, and we choose it because in his research, he would find out that there were some additional things that the audience should know. Sometimes the rest of the story segment showed some very positive results, some very good results, and other times it showed negative results. Now in scripture, we have hundreds of incidents that are recorded where we see God's power working in favor of God's chosen people. Um, but sometimes, unfortunately, we only read the highlighted report, just like how Paul Harvey would do it. You know, and we don't read the rest of the story. We just go to the point in which are applicable to our lives, and we don't read the rest of the story. In this segment of the rest of the story, we find that God continues to work in favor of his people. He keeps doing things in favor of his, of his people. Uh, just to put for an example, the story of David and Goliath. I, I, hold on, hold on. Now, I, I know there's some of you uh, biblical nerds, some of you who are, you know, mature Christians, really, you know, ultimately know, knowledgeable of all the humanitical, theological conclusions. And you're saying, oh, come on, Pastor John, you're going to talk to me about David again and Goliath. I know that story. I've heard it hundreds of times. I've heard thousands of lessons upon this. Now, now hold on just a minute, okay? Just follow me for a moment because the encounter of David and Goliath is only part of the story. And we're going to go into the rest of the story in just a moment. But we still need to set pace as to what happened with David and Goliath. You remember that, uh, some of the highlights here, okay? You remember that Saul tried to dress David with his armor. We learned something powerful from that, that story. I believe that God inspired Saul to do this so that we would know that, not, uh, that our weapons are not carnal. They are not human. Instead, our weapons are spiritual. We learned that from that incident. The next thing that we find out is that the enemy's weapons, they have nothing on me. Well, I put nothing on there, okay? They have nothing on me because no weapon formed against me will prevail. We find that from the encounter of David and Goliath. But not only that, hey, are you armed only with the slingshot? It doesn't matter because when you have faith, all things are possible, all things are possible. Whatever you have in your hand, whatever God has given you, God will use it for his honor and glory to defeat the enemies in your life. Those are highlights that we hear from David's story. I found one more thing, you know. I reread the story time and time again in preparation for this message. And I found another thing about it, okay. I found that David was a first responder, you know what I mean about first responders. You know, they're the doctors, they're the policemen, the firemen. They're the first people to show up at whatever catastrophe, tragedy, or danger that has taken place. I mean, they run to the situation, risking their own lives to save the lives of others. I find that about David. 
The Bible says that when he went to deliver cheese and bread to his brothers, that he ran to the front line. That's what the scripture says in verse 22. Listen to that. He ran to the battle lines. He wanted to see what was going on. The second time that he mentions this was in chapter, in verse 48, when he was going to confront Goliath. The scripture says that he ran quickly towards the battle line to come to meet Goliath. Not only that, at the very end when David killed Goliath, the scripture says that he ran to him. This guy didn't stroll. He didn't take the strategic maneuvering to get there. This guy ran. And we learned something else. From, this is a part of the highlight of that story that we need to run to the battleground because our God is with us. When David ran to Goliath, the scripture says that he stood over him like, yes, I killed you. Kind of reminds me of that old picture of Muhammad Ali standing on top of Sonny Liston. Because, you know, Sonny Liston had badmouthed him. Um, they had, uh, all, all the reporters had underrated Muhammad Ali. But on that moment when she knocked him down, you see Muhammad Ali standing over his his, um, his opponent, Sonny Listing, defeating him, knocking him out. I kind of get that idea that this is what David did. He stood over him. Well, now let's listen to the rest of the story. We know that point in which David killed Goliath. We know that point in which David stood over him. And the Bible says that he went and he got Goliath's sword. And he used Goliath's sword to slay him, to cut his head off, okay? Now, David was maybe 13, between 13 and 15 years old. Wasn't a very big guy, okay? Um, and, and, he, and the sword of Goliath, was, it was massive. It was huge. But this kid picked it up, and he cut his head off. Again, that's only part of the story. We get, it seems like we only stop there. The scripture says that, David took Goliath's sword. I mean, not only took his head, you know, but he took his sword and he took it to his tent and he had it there. That, that, um, that sword of Goliath, when he took it to his tent, it was like David walking into his tent with a trophy after he had won, after he had defeated his enemy. You know, trophies are sometimes misunderstood especially by jealous Christians. You know, those individuals that are saying, hey, why are you boasting? Hey, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? They kind of put you down. And, you know, David took his, David's armor, I'm sorry, Goliath's armor to his tent. And um, I imagine there were people among him that were saying, who does he think he is? Is he boasting? You know, is he uh, he's so proudful? It was God who helped him. Uh, hold on just a minute, okay? We all know that it was God that helped David. And sometimes we have victories in our lives. And we share those victories. We, we talk about the trophies and the accomplishments that we've had. And there's always this spiritually cynical Christian who's sitting there and they begin to judge us and they point at us. Yeah, but if it wasn't for God, well, give God the honor. Give God the glory. Now, hold on just a moment. We all know that we are nothing without God. But I believe that God allows you to have spiritual trophies so that he can remind you of what he does. 
This spiritual trophy that David had reminded him of that. Listen to this. Spiritual trophies serve as a proof of what God is able to do. Someone say amen. Spiritual trophies serve as a reminder of your victories. Spiritual reminders serve as a warning to the devil of how you beat him and how you can still beat him again and again. When the devil comes up to you and tells you you're weak, you did this, you did that, and begins to accuse you and attack you, you can bring out your spiritual trophy and say, hey, look out, devil. I cut your head off one time can talk to your enemies and say this is what I am capable of doing that's what spiritual trophies um, do in our lives I mean Paul gives us the instructions this way and he says if anyone is to boast let him boast of what the Lord has done so you know what if you have spiritual victories in your life, experiences that you have taken place in your life, this is part of the rest of the story with that, that triumphal encounter between David and Goliath. God will help you defeat your enemies, etc. But don't forget about the trophies. These are lessons from the rest of the story that we can learn today. Trophies from the battle glorify God. Weapons used against you can be transformed into weapons to defeat the enemy. The memory of past victories remind us of what we are capable of doing again. What am I talking about? Well, after David defeated Goliath, you find in the next four chapters that, of something that, 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 that resulted from that incident. It so happened that Saul began to be jealous, intimidated by David's success. The scripture says that David sought whichever way possible, excuse me, Saul sought whichever way possible to be able to kill David. I mean, David was being so successful. God was blessing him. God was using him to deliver Israel time and time again from, his, from their enemies that that the singers would sing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. You see, the anointing of God was upon David and was using him mightily. In chapter 21, we find that Saul made up this battle. He made up this scheme to kill David. And he did it hurriedly. And he prompted David to hurry up and go. And David had no opportunity to, to gather his men or even to gather his weapons. And David goes out to find out which way he could do it. And several days later, uh, David finds himself uh, in the city of Nob. N-O-B, that's what it's called, Nob. Nob in the Hebrew means a high place, a place of worship. So David finds himself out there, and his horse is tired. David is tired. He's hungry. He's feeling, you know, betrayed. He's feeling like, like he was being used, like he's being set up. The guy is just beat up from all of the situations that were taking place. This guy had won many battles in the name of the Lord. But the battle that was more intense was this political scheme that, David, that Saul had against David's life. Wow, doesn't that hurt? I mean, you can have victory after victory against the enemy. But then when your own work against you, when your own seek out your life, and when your own leader even sets you up, 
This is how David was feeling. So he, said, he, he shows up to this, this little town called Nob, this little village, and um, uh, Amalek, the priest, comes out and he says, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing all by yourself? He had a couple of guys with him, but he didn't have the band of army that he normally had with him. And um, David gets off his horse, walks in in Amalek's place and starts telling him the whole situation. And this guy's beat up. He's tired. He's maybe a little discouraged. You know, he's just a wounded warrior at that point. And he goes to Amalek, the high priest, and he says, hey, look, man, I'm hungry. We haven't eaten. We need some food. Do you have, do you at least have some bread? And Amalek says, the only bread I have is the bread of the presence of God. It was a bread that was given, was presented in the altar to glorify God, to worship God in his presence. And, um, but Amalek knew who David was, a warrior who was a worshiper, a worshiper who was a warrior. Amalek knew that David had been many times in the presence of God. He knew this man, his testimony. And you know what he said? I'm going to give you this bread because you qualify to get of this bread. And they ate, they felt better and so on. And then as they're talking, listen to this, the rest of the story. As they are talking, David says, hey, Amalek, man, I, I had to leave right away. I, I didn't bring any of, my, any of my weapons. I don't have a shield. I don't have a spear. Do you have anything, a dagger, anything that I can defend myself with? Listen to me. The rest of the story happens to unfold right now. Amalek says, hey, you know what? Behind the ephod, the ephod was the place where the presence of God was, where sacrifice was made for God. He, the, the priest, the high priest wore this, this effort so that he would go into the presence of God. And he says, behind there, wrapped up in a cloth, you will find Goliath's sword. Hallelujah. How did it make it there? I don't know. You know what? But this is God working in favor of David. This is the rest of the story. The same sword that David used to kill Goliath now when he is defenseless, when he's hurting, when he's feeling all alone and betrayed, the sword of Goliath shows up again. Now, I don't know about you, but I imagine that when he picked up that sword, because this is what he said, oh, yes, bring me that sword. There's nothing like that sword. When, when David picked up that sword, he remembered, hallelujah, the champion that he is. Not that he was, the champion that he is. The, the victorious warrior that he is. He grabbed a hold of that sword and he remembered how he defeated Goliath, how he killed Goliath and I'm here to tell you that those spiritual trophies that God has given you the memory of your experiences the victories that you have had God is placing them in your hand once again and he's reminding you you are a warrior you are a champion you are a winner you are more than conqueror that is the rest of the story of Goliath's sword I want to tell you that when there is ink still in the pen, listen to this. When there is still ink in the pen, that means that the story remains to be written. That means your story remains to be written. I want to declare upon your life, there is still ink in God's pen for your life. And he is about to write the rest of your story. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
that's the rest of the story of Goliath's sword. Hey, if I were to ask you, who is the wisest man recorded in the Bible? I know many of you would respond Solomon. If I would ask you, who was the oldest guy that lived? Many of you would say Methuselah. He was. Others would, uh, if I were to ask you, okay, uh, who's the guy who had the most patience in, in the Bible? You would say Job. And if I were to ask you, who was the strongest man physically recorded in the Bible? You would say Samson. Samson. So let me talk to you about Samson's story. So Samson, he was born uh, of a very, from very spiritual, very God-fearing parents. It was prophesied over her life, uh, Samson's mom, her name is not given, his dad's name was Manoah, that Samson would be born of them and um, he would be, grow up to be a great judge and deliver the people of Israel from the Philistines. The Philistines were once again the rival enemies of, of Israel. And they would make their life miserable. I mean, they would steal from them. They would serve them. They would use them as, as, as slaves. And it was just a horrible, horrible relationship. Well, one day, Samson comes up to his mom and dad. And he says, um, hey, mom and dad, I, I, I found a girl I want to marry. And she's one of the Philistines. Now, keep in mind that Samson was from the Nazarite vow. That meant that... Um, he couldn't cut his hair. He couldn't drink or eat anything from the vineyard. He couldn't drink, he couldn't eat grapes or drink wine or even raisins. Okay. He was, he had a very restricted type of a lifestyle. So he comes to his parents and he says, I found a beautiful girl that I want to marry. She's a Philistine. And the parents say, what's wrong with you, uh, Samson? I mean, can't you find a girl among us? A beautiful girl among us? Why do you have to go to the Philistines? Because, you know, the Philistines were bad people with the Israelites. But listen to what the scripture reveals to us in verse 4 of Judges. His father and mother didn't realize that the Lord was behind this request. For God was setting a trap for the Philistines, who at that time were the rulers of Israel. What was happening is that God was going counter-culture. He was breaking the mindset of the culture of the people of Israel. He was revealing that God is not limited to our culture, to our way of doing things, to fulfill his will. And sometimes we limit God by our own thinking as to how we're used to doing things. And sometimes God needs to break us out from that mold. He needs to take us out of that cultural thinking. We need to understand that God will do his will, even if it's counterculture to our lives. But also God will never violate, break, change, nor contradict his word in order to fulfill his will. Keep that in mind, that even though it's against your culture, you will never go against God's word. So... He convinces his parents to go get this girl. Some time has gone by and uh, they're on their way to this village where the Philistines are at. And the Bible says that David, uh, Samson drifted away from his mom and dad. 
They kept going down the road. I don't know what he went out to do, but the scripture says that he was among the vineyards of, of Timnah. Now keep this in mind. He was a Nazarite. He was not supposed to eat grapes. He was not supposed to eat raisins, drink wine, or any alcoholic beverage. What is this guy doing in the vineyards? Oh, please follow me closely, okay? So what's he doing in the vineyards? I believe that God allowed him to go through that because, you know what? Even though we are in the world, we are not of the world. Even though we're in the world, we are not of the world. The vineyard symbolizes prosperity, blessing. It symbolizes abundance. That's what the vineyard symbolizes. And, and God was taking, uh, allowing Samson to go along the vineyards simply to make a point here. That you know what? We are in the world, but not of the world. We don't have to participate of what the world does, but we are in the world. And being in the world, God will always be with us as well. So they get to Timnah and, and look what happens next. Look what verse 5 says. In the following verse we say, as Samson and his parents were going to Timnah, a young lion attacked Samson in the vineyards on the outskirts of town. Wow. Yeah. So here's Samson knowing what God's assignment in his will and God's will was for his life. He's going to go marry that girl because God had put it in his heart. He was doing, fulfilling God's will in his life. That's inspiring. I know we hear a lot of stories about Samson, you know, negative, positive, mainly negative. But today we find that Samson is actually obeying God's will in his life. And, and let me tell you, every time that you determine to fulfill God's will in your life, the enemy will put obstacles in your life, use distractions. He will put your faith, your calling, your ministry to a test. He will attack you. You see, this is what this symbolizes, this encounter of this lion coming against Samson. But look what happens in the following verse, verse 6. It says, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Hallelujah. I want to tell you that even though every time the enemy will attack you when you determine to do God's will in your life, I want to declare this upon your life, that every time your enemies in your life try to keep you from doing God's will in your life, God will, every time, God will be watching over you and your journey. God will send his spirit powerfully on your life. God will give you the strength to defeat and kill all your enemies. So even though the enemy will do it every time, God will respond every single time as well. Well, a lot of times we just stop there. Let me share with you the rest of the story. So look what verse 8 says. Sometime later when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. And in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. I know it doesn't sound very pleasant. It sounds a little gross. You know, you're going to a dead lion, you know. This is what happened, okay? So, so they go back so that they can finalize this marriage. They can go through the whole situation. Keep in mind that time has gone by several weeks, maybe a couple of months. Because back then, they, 
you know, these things took time. So he's going back, and, and, and as he's going back to marry her, to have the wedding and so on, you know, they're walking, they're taking the same road, and, and Samson again, he, he, he thinks about it, he says, hey, I'm going to go check out that dead lion. Maybe it's a man thing that he was doing. I don't know. But there he goes, okay, and, and he finds his dead lion. Now, I know the scenario is kind of gross, okay? Several weeks have gone by, maybe months, and here's this carcass, this dead, no life, killed, dead lion. I know those are a lot of repetitions that I did there, but I want to make emphasis on that, okay? And... It was a reminder of what he had done, how he had defeated this lion. Because the lion was sent by the enemy to deter him from doing God's will. But God is more powerful over our enemies. And the Spirit of God comes upon Samson and he defeats, he kills the lion. Wow, powerful man, okay? And so he comes back and he wants to see where he has killed the lion where he has defeated the enemy, where he has won over that obstacle that the enemy had placed his way. And as he goes back, he discovers not only the dead lion, but there is honey in the lion, bees in the lion. Wow. Follow me in what I'm going to share with you, okay? Victory over your enemies is only half of the blessing. Listen to me. Victory over your enemies is only half the blessing. Because you see, the honey symbolizes something powerful here. The honey is a symbolism of the reward of your victory. Listen to me carefully. Honey in the Bible symbolizes abundance, prosperity, and wealth. It symbolizes the sweetness of the honey, symbolizes a delicacy, a luxury, the goodness of life. Oh man, some of you have fought and you've won. Some of you have struggled and yes, you've triumphed. You've cried, you, you've prayed, you have fasted, and you have believed, and you have, you have succeeded. You, you know, there are so many of those Christians that, again, they become so judgmental when you get the diploma, or when you've, you've made the success, when you get the, the, the business going, when you get the nice car, when you buy the nice, nice house, and they begin to judge you and say, you know, stop gloating and so on. And no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. There, there's a certain thing about this battle that takes place that we don't see that is the rest of the story. And that's the spoils of the battle. The plunder that belongs to us, that belongs to the victor, belongs to the winner, belongs to the one who has defeated his enemies. This is what this honey symbolizes. That is the rest of the story. Listen, you've won, you've defeated the enemy, you have triumphed over it, you have championed in your war, in, in your battle, and God is telling you, hey, 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 God bless you that you had the victory, but there's more for you here. There's honey, there is a plunder, there is a spoil that belongs to you as well. It's not just the victory, but it's also the spoils of the victory that God wants to give you. Now, in the Bible, you find over 30 times um, that the people of Israel went back and they took the plunder, the, the, the spoils of the victory. I just want to share one scripture in particular with you. I, I love this whole chapter, but this one verse in particular that I want to highlight to you today. So Jehoshaphat 
and his men went out to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value. More than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. Several nations had surrounded Israel, had surrounded Jerusalem to defeat it, to take it over. Jehoshaphat went to the Lord and the Lord told him, you know what, don't be afraid. This battle belongs to me. You don't even have to fight. You remember that scripture. And then, and then God gives them a, a, a real unique battle strategy. He tells Jehoshaphat, you know what? Get all the singers, get all the worshipers, get all the musicians and put them in the front line of battle. Have them go before all the army. And have them sing unto the Lord and say, the Lord is faithful, the Lord is good. And people are wondering, what's going on? But you know, Jehoshaphat was obedient. And as they put all the singers in the front of the, of the army, the scripture says that God caused a confusion among all the nation's armies that had gathered against Jehoshaphat and defeated them. Defeated them mightily. And now the scripture that we just read tells us that it took them three days as they went back to gather the spoils of the victory. Took them three days to carry everything back home. Man, how many battles have you won that you have forgotten to go back and get the spoils of the battle? How many victories have you had in your life that you have neglected to go back? That's the rest of the story for you today. I'm telling you, I congratulate you. I want to raise your hand up high. You have won. You have championed. You have fought. You have believed. And you have succeeded. Now go back for the honey. Because God is about to write the rest of your story. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray that you have you've been blessed by this word. I want you to keep in mind that God is still writing the rest of your story. Before you leave, I want to declare pastoral blessing upon your life. Father God, I pray for every person who is listening to me today. If it's at their job, at home, in their car, wherever, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would bring your presence next to them. Remind them, dear Lord, not only how much you love them, but also remind them that there is still ink in your pen. You're continuing to write the rest of their story. I pray the Lord would open your eyes and your heart and your ears so that you can hear what God is telling you, so you can see what God is doing for you, that you can feel God's will for your life. I bless you today that God would surround you with his presence, with his blessing, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Yo, Cathedral of What's up, everybody? Come on in. It's time for the wrap. Yes. This is the rest of the service. Hey, come on. Pastor John did a great job today talking about the rest of the story. And uh, so let's go ahead and get into that. Um, let's talk about this and kind of, you know, I'm praying and believing that in these rap conversations that it's kind of modeling for those who are watching and listening to how to talk about what they've just heard and see, see God's fingerprints in their own walk and their own testimony. So, Eddie... How did you see that happening today? Yeah, today what really stuck out was the, it just brought back memories of Paul Harvey on the radio and, yeah. and hearing that. Yeah, and absolutely. now the rush of the, the, rest story, of the story, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, driving in the road and then just being engaged into like the details of 
like, okay, it wasn't just a surface line story or mm. there's always something. And I think for us, it, it reminds us that, especially even in the day we're in today, that there's so much depth to what God is doing in us and through us, you know, through the church, through people mm. from every walk, nationality. I mean, globally, there's just, there's stories everywhere. Mm. And it just reminds me that, yet in that God is so personal to know that our stories matter, you know, mm. that the details of what, that there's not, we sometimes feel like, okay, this is it. Is this as good as it gets? Mm. But God's saying like, no, there's still more that I'm going to continue to do in this season that I'm bringing you into mm. and, and just being mindful of that. There is more to the story for all of us, you know, wherever we're at. Ooh, that's, really, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've seen, um, you've seen many people talk about stories and one quote that I always like to think of over and over is victory is always told by, I mean, the story is always told by the victor mm. and everything. Right. Mm. And when we uh, talked about that Muhammad Ali picture mm. and how he was stanced up with his arm hooked and it was like, in the back, we were talking about our slides, and we, he told me, actually, mm. the background of the mm. full story of that picture saying he wasn't just being intimidating. That's not what he was doing. He was just putting his hook up and then mm. turning around as quick as possible. Yeah. But that picture, at that moment, you just realize mm. people can just do that instantly. You just take a picture of something, and then all of a sudden, it's not the truth. They can just speak yeah. a complete lie out of it. And that's so good. It's always yeah. dangerous nowadays because that's what social media is yeah. and now it is today. Just yeah. take a picture, post yeah. it somewhere, tell a false story, not telling anyone the truth. There's more, there's and more then going on. chaos consumes. Yeah, yeah. And it's just dangerous out that's here good. sometimes. You know, it, seeing that Ali picture made me think of the rest of the story mm-hmm. because there's something uh, I heard uh, uh, behind the story of that actual photo. If you look at his legs, you'll see a photographer in between his legs, okay? Mm-hmm. Like if you, and uh, the, the, how the story goes is that that's a very famous photographer. That, um, and so when the, the guy that actually took the photo wanted to sit there. Mm-hmm. And so when he went, he arrived, he was told that he wasn't allowed to sit there and he got moved to the other side of the ring. Wow. And so what he thought was a setback was a set up mm. that gave him the, the perfect angle at that shot that he would not have gotten if he was sitting back where he wanted to be seated. Hey. Just kind of a, an interesting little behind yeah. the nugget. It's another the behind story. the scene part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like there's that. always something. There's, a, there's layers of our stories it's like the rest of that the story God can use. the story of the yeah. story mm-hmm. of yeah, the other yeah. story. Um, one of the things I loved was the fact of the trophies and just remembering what God has done for you in the past. And um, I, I, it makes me think, I was just looking through this actual book that I was taking notes in, and I have two pages in here where I asked my grandmother about what are some of the miracles that had happened in her life. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote them down, there's, she told me things I had never heard before. Well, I, I've done this with, we've done this with Zion too, and it was asked my mother, what are some miracles in your life? And I feel like I also have a book where I put things that are super important to me, whether it's words that have been given or situations that have happened. And I think that that is so important to be able to go back, not only to remember who God is, but to remember who we are and to be able to pass down that faith. And so I think it's so important. So I, I feel like, hey, when I'm facing a battle that I, I'm scared, confused, or don't know what to do, I want to be able to look back and to see and say, wait a minute, this is what I know about mm. God. 
this is what I know about mm. who I am and it, that it would speak into who I am today. It's not just a miracle for them. It's a miracle that keeps speaking yeah. and will also keep speaking yeah. to generations to come. That's so mm. good. I, I, it makes me think of the part of the sermon when Pastor John picked up the sword and he said that, mm-hmm. that David remembered the sword, the victory mm-hmm. from earlier times. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. yeah, so how important it is to not you know, one of the most uh, repeated phrases in the scriptures is remember, mm-hmm. remember, remember, remember what mm-hmm. God has done. And the whole purpose of building altars in ancient days was, was to remember, honor, and, and mark these moments that are so pivotal in our story, in our journey, mm-hmm. to, to remind us who we are. Mm-hmm. Like, not just then, but like you're saying right now. And I think remembering the story, because God knows that we'll forget you know, yeah, like she, right? Like she, like, <laughs> like, wait, when we're facing something new yeah. and we're like, oh my God, this is horrible. And yeah. How am I going to get through this? And then we stop and we finally hear that little voice saying, do you remember what I did before? Yep. Like, like there's this story that I always think back to. I remember being a teenager in church. It was like a Friday night service going in and just feeling discouraged, just mm. sat in the back. It was mm. just like, oh, I just don't even want to be here. And the lady sang that song, He'll Do It Again. Mm. That, that old, you know, just like Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego, mm. you know, just that whole mm. Testament song. And I just remember it just, that He'll Do It Again just hit my heart like, okay, He's going to do it again. Mm. And to this day, I, I will always reflect to those moments of that song mm. back when I was discouraged in that moment. And I'll face something and, and I remember and that melody comes back and I'm just like, okay, he's going to do it again because mm. he did it then, he'll do it now. And God reminds me through that, like, it's like, look at the whole story of how far I've brought you. Yeah. And we easily can forget, like, all the details and all the victories and we think, you know, mm. we can focus on the bad things. Well, if I would have did this and that, but ultimately, let's look at the big picture and, and always understand the grace, how he weaves everything yeah. together and oh. brings us to where we're at oh. now to continue, you know, going forward. That's powerful. So, mm. yeah. I also think about when I'm um, getting that, the the symbolism there of two things. One of just like when to go get the sword, when he was looking for something to defend himself, he had to go through the presence of God. And he had to go, he said it was behind the ephah. And I think the presence of God is always available to us. But how much is the enemy trying to distract us, give us too busy, or sometimes even mm. our flesh is like, that's the last thing we want to do. It mm. feels like a chore, but mm. actually in the presence of God, mm. whether it's word or worship, is where everything we actually need to, mm. for what we're praying for is there. Mm. And so for me, it's like, let's press onto the presence of God so that we can find that sword that is already given to us, has our name on it, has our history, has our miracle on it to be able to do that. And then I also think of it as well as like, I have an opposite story of that is that I remember there's lots of situations as a kid, like, God, if you just do this, oh, Hmm. I promise you, I will never (laughs) not trust you again. Because if you do this, then I mean, and then I'm thinking. I just did that in the parking lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But how gracious and loving is God that he knows that about us. And Mm -hmm. so that, and he loves, just like we love our kids and brush your teeth for two minutes. Oh, 30 seconds. No, but we love him, right? And he loves us. He's so gracious, so good. I pray that all of us would run to the presence of God. So good. Mm -hmm. Especially in this day and age, like, especially where we're at now, if if we've learned anything from the lessons of this past year and a half, Mm. is like, you're either running to God's presence or you're running away Mm. from God's presence. Mm. 
And we can't save ourselves as hard as we may try. And I think you've said it plenty of times in conversation, like we're all broken. Yeah. And yeah. But those broken pieces God brings together mm. through our history, through our, our fights, our battles. So good. And brings us to where we're at today. Wow. We got a great challenge. The whole remembering part, too, I, I want to say again with the, the scriptures that we talked about, no weapon can be formed against you. Amen. And your weapon is spiritual. You, mm -hmm. got, you got the Bible. You got the Bible in your That's hand. Good. You got God calling upon you, and he's been preparing you this for so your good. entire life. Amen. And again, like we said, we need to remember when David's going after the weapon. Yeah. He's going to it. He's going to the weapon that God gave him. Mm -hmm. We need to do the same thing and remember that God said, we can be, yeah. we can not get damaged by any harmful weapon that the enemy throws at us. And one of the early images, what Pastor John was using with that was how he, he couldn't use Saul's armor, right? right. How, how attractive is it to go onto social media and see other people's weapons? Mm. Like, if I could just sing like that, if I could just preach like that, if I could just invent a business like that, if I could, you know, it's just, it's so in front of us and we're bombarded with these things mm -hmm. and how important it is to to go to the presence of God and realize that it, our weapons aren't carnal like they're spiritual and they're mighty through God mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely Amen. well our scripture today is 2 Corinthians 10 17 if anyone has anything to boast let him boast in the Lord mm -hmm. and I also think about this not only in our failures. Pastor Don also said that the weapons that are used against us sometimes can be transformed and used for the very thing to defeat the enemy. So Cathedral of Faith, I want to challenge you today. I want you to get with your family, your friends, call somebody and begin to remember what God has done in your life. Ask the people around you what miracles have been happening in your life. Boast in the Lord. Brag about God because that's where power comes. That's worship. That's where praise and that's where your faith can be strengthened. So I want to hear about the miracles that God is yes. doing. Share them. Write them down. Pass them along. God has done amazing things in your life, even in your defeats and your failures. He's done it in our lives and we're going to boast about that. Mm -hmm. Amen. Come on now. Ow. That's your prayer. Absolutely. That ain't yours. That's hers. God is still writing get your, your own story. That's right. <laughs> hey, but that's such a great work. Cathedral of Faith, God, he can do it again. Yes. He's done it before. He will do it again. Trust in the Lord. And I can't wait to hear and see the rest of the story Amen. for you Amen. guys and for Cathedral of Faith. We love you all. Stay locked. A lot of things are coming up in this summer series. A lot of things going on at Cathedral. Uh, we're not back. We're moving forward. Amen. Yes. We love you guys. Stay hooked. Stay it's up. the rap.